T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. That voice doesn't lie. It's me, Matt Spiegel, Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. We'll talk to Ryan Dempster later on this hour. We'll talk to Cubs lefty reliever Danny Holtzen, an absolutely terrific story at the top of the next hour. We'll talk about the White Sox and some of their core guys having big offensive nights uh, in the midst of big offensive years. But we got a lot of other stuff to get to. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Matt. And uh, Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your summer home for the best food in Chicagoland. Here's the checklist. The best deli, no doubt. The best full-service restaurant, without question. The best bakery, you bet. Max and Benny's has full dinners with all the trimmings from four to nine, seven days a week. That includes skirt steak, roast beef, chicken, and all the freshest fish in the city. Max and Benny's has private dining areas for all your party and business meeting needs from 10 to 150 accommodated. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask for John at MaxandBenny's.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's, where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper, just almost as high as the Cub win total with their run scored yesterday. 17 runs, quite a... uh, Feet and uh, something that uh, they needed to do, reestablish themselves, go on a little bit of a two-game winning streak, which is big for the Cubs right now, and then uh, respond a little bit to uh, some of the criticism of a bad road trip. Yeah, tough road trip, and Theo Epstein with some comments earlier in the week, which we'll play for you later on the uninspired play of the team he referenced over the last 12 or 13 months. Really, they've been a 500 team since the middle of May has this bunch right here. And, you know, kind of lifeless at times. Uh, you know, it's noticeable when you watch the team. I guess sometimes that's an overstatement because when teams lose and they're expected to win, uh, you look for the negativity. You look for what what's wrong. But, uh, you know, basically, um, Joe Madden yesterday in his pregame with us in the media, he pretty much addressed a lot of these things. There were two questions I asked him. One uh, initially was all about uh, whether or not um, this team is um, playing free and loose. And the other was uh, how he goes about handling a team that might not be playing that way. I could understand from watching on TV, if you're looking from a distance, anybody uh, might interpret it that way. My biggest concern is that I think we're playing tight. So I think the interpretation is, uh, for me, apretado. Everybody's playing a little bit too tight, and that's the one thing I'm just trying to get across to these guys. When you play up tight, it's, it's very difficult, and that's what I'm talking about. Play with your own fire, go play the game, don't worry about all this kind of information. Our guys care so much, and so that's, that's my interpretation is that uh, 
I, I could easily see why uh, that would be said, but I don't think it's true. I think um, I want us to loosen up and play baseball. And I think if we are able to do that over the next two weeks, you'll, we'll get the result we're looking for. Does it surprise you that a group that's been through this much could still be susceptible to that, to play tight or feel pressure? I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it with um, veteran players that, I mean, when I even first began doing this, I mean, I'm not going to mention names, but I mean, even in spring training, talking to some uh, veteran players that are pretty darn big names and how they would react to the moment. You're always trying to prove yourself. You're always trying to be worthy to be here, in a sense. Um, and we all, we all, uh, we all formulate our own self-doubt. You do, I do, um, and this happens that these are baseball players that are doing it on a big, pretty big stage. So it's uh, the thing I, I, I'm attempting to do is to have them put that in their back pocket a bit and just go play baseball. Um, but it doesn't surprise me. I've seen it before in other places. You, um, time to time, over the last four and a half years, you. I always said I look at the bench from time to time just to see yeah. the energy level and where they're at. Where where, where would you rate it? I didn't like it yesterday. I mean, you know, you're playing in San Diego, which could have been a theater, you know, waiting for somebody to make a joke and all of a sudden everybody would applaud. I mean, it was just a real state kind of a situation. So uh, it was, and also before the game, I was comparing it to playing uh, an instructional league game in Arizona in uh, the middle of September with uh, 33 people in the stands. It's, you have to create your own energy. So I'm looking at all this and I didn't like it. And again, um, I felt a tightness from the entire group more than anything. It's not... Uh, to think people don't care or um, are not playing hard or whatever, it's, it, I don't question that. We've talked about this in the past. But I could, I could tell you sincerely, I felt that we were just a little bit too quiet, a little bit too uptight. Thus, I want us to not be that. And, and do that? Um, I talked to them. Not a meeting guy. No, I, I've, uh, I have my ways. And uh, I've, uh, I've been um, infiltrating the group in my own ways. So we'll see how it plays out. And infiltration <laughs> of his own group. So he has his sources and he has his people uh, going into the group and working with him. But, you know, it's a much more direct thing, Joe. Obviously, he's not a meetings guy. He's not a speech guy. He talks to the team three times a year before spring training, after the All-Star break, and if they're fortunate enough to go to the playoffs. Those are the only three group meetings that he has the entire year. But this is a time where you'd want to have a meeting – but meetings mean uh, creating more self-doubt and creating negativity. He's not about that. Theo Epstein was asked about that in the pregame yesterday, and he said anytime a guy with a suit comes in and starts talking to the group, uh, you you got a bigger problem hmm. than, than that. So from all of that, Matt, uh, you know, it, it's it's really intriguing that we're, we're playing game 147 today, and um, – this group of Cub players, um, accomplished as they are, are still trying to find uh, a relaxed method of going about their job and, and getting it done. It is a remarkable year publicly from Joe Madden. When you consider how good he is at that part of being a manager with all the interviews and all the times you have to address the media and dealing with everything, and consider the fact that this, as a, quote, lame duck, uh, unquote, season it is the best handled season of that kind I have ever seen, without a doubt. Like, he has openly, from the get-go, said, this is it. I don't have a problem with it. This is just what we do. And you've seen very few changes, very few cracks in his public persona and what he likes to do. And I wouldn't necessarily even qualify this as a crack. I would just say this is a different tack for him to take than I, what he's I done in the past. I agree with that. That's 100% correct. Because... 
normally if I'd ask that question of uh, taking the pulse of your team, uh, most managers, 99% of them would say, you know, uh, maybe, you know, things aren't exactly what we want them to, but our guys are into it, yeah. you know, and, but that, that's not what Joe said. And Joe is, if anything, the most positive guy about his group. Now he went on to say the effort is there. The caring is there, but the uptightness is something that he has to, he has to get around. He has to get through and he has to break it up. Now, 17 runs yesterday, beautiful shutout by, you know, six innings, 14 strikeouts for Darvish the day before. Uh, you know, again, uh, getting through to this group, uh, there's plenty of talent there. I-, I think I think we've been picking it apart all year long because it hasn't really lived up to the expectations that you and I mm-hmm. and other fans expect from these guys. But nonetheless, still plenty of talent. If the starting pitching gets straightened out here, maybe they can go on a run that puts them uh, in the playoffs. Hey, hey, this is one of the best, you know, four or five organizations in baseball right now. It's one of the best six, seven teams in baseball or eight teams, wherever you want to put them. And what we talk about is the nuance of whether they match up to the the teams at the very, very top of that. So right. yeah, we can't lose sight of where they are, but in, in terms of Joe if this is his final 10-game homestand, it has been handled remarkably well. And I, I've i always wanted to see from a leader, from a manager, different tools in, in, in the box. What do you got? All right, your guys are tight. What are you going to do? Right. You can't just be the same guy and walk through the clubhouse and let them take care of it. And Joe has done a lot of that, and it's worked for a lot of years. But sometimes you got to get in there and infiltrate the group. Well, it, show, it. it shows you, and, and you, you make some really uh, significant points because – it points uh, the um, the the type of leader that he is, and that he has so many different levels of how he can manage a group or uh, tools as to what he can do to get the most out of his guys mm-hmm. when things aren't working. But you you can't get around the fact that we're talking about this not in spring training, not at the All Star break, but with 15 games left in the season. Still, yeah, but Still. but the honesty from him. And Epstein is remarkably refreshing as far as I'm concerned because they are not holding back. Uh, They are uh, insistent upon the fact that this is a better team and that it can show up at any point, and they're imploring them to do just that. Now, as to whether it works or not or that this team has been horribly overrated and it is more what Pakoda predicted for them, uh, before the hmm. season started, we'll find out over these next 15 games. This hour on the score is brought to you by Burris Equipment. Visit them at burrisequipment.com for details. It was an excellent night in the wild card standings. The Nationals lost. The Brewers lost. The Mets lost. The Cubs are two and a half back of the of the Nationals for the top wild Three. card spot. Three. Is it, I thought it was two and a half as of, don't uh, look as at of this morning. Matt, don't look at halves right now. Oh, so it is two and a half, but you're just correcting me on how to interpret it. Yeah, and, and I'm not correcting you. What I'm what I'm doing is pointing out that with 15 games left, uh-huh. all you look at is the loss column. And the loss column says three, okay? Because you can't make up those losses. That's There's no way to do that. So it's three games, even though it says two and a half, that they're behind Washington first place. All right, so if they're alone in the second spot, as they are, and they're one game ahead of Milwaukee, they're two and a half ahead of the Phillies. Does that mean they're three ahead of the Phillies? Look at the standings. So it's three games. 70 losses for the Phillies, 68 for the Cubs. That means two. Yeah. 
So, but but as we know, so there's no there is no half. The reality is, it's two games in the last column where you cannot make it up. I'm going to go ahead and give you this one. Uh, three right. ahead of the Mets in in the uh, wild card right, standings right, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just you know I just hate the half uh, when you go into the last month, especially the last two weeks of the season, because it it doesn't indicate what you're really talking about. You must make three games up in the last column, and you can't do that. By just looking at a half, you can only look at the fact that you must win those games and the other team must lose three games for you to make it up. Ideally, with the Cubs, uh, the, the Cardinals and, and the Brewers playing, and it was a 10 nothing win for the Cardinals last night behind seven RBIs from Paul Goldschmidt. I think you want the Cubs to sweep the Pirates and what? Cards take two of three from Milwaukee, something card, like card, that? Cards sweep. But if they take two of three, then you can get a little distance from Milwaukee, Win and you games. can pick up a game. Win your games, baby. Win your own games, yeah. and it's going to take care of itself. But if I, you if I, you I have would... a three game or four game yeah. lead on Milwaukee with uh, twelve left to go, you're you're in a you're in a good spot. You got to win your games anyway. I would just right. uh, if I could choose, I would pick to no. pick up a game on Here, St. Louis this weekend that. too. Here's why I say that they got seven left with St. I Louis. Know. Okay, they're they're not neither team's going to sweep that. Somebody's going to go maybe four and three. You're not going to pick up much ground. So then you need the Brewers to help you by no, giving you're you not a game pick closer. Much, you're not going to pick much, much ground up in the Cardinals. So that's, so, a, so that's a pipe dream. So you're you're conceding the the division. I'm saying with four game lead and you go four and three, you pick up one game on the Cardinals in seven games. You only have fifteen left. The reality is you want to win the wild card. And st- you don't want Milwaukee to stay even with you. You want to put some distance between yourself and Milwaukee. Then when you do have the seven games, you can do something about it. But if you lose five out of seven to St. Louis, you want to have some distance in front of you with Milwaukee so you have some leeway so you don't get blown out totally. Either way, uh, 16 games left starting yesterday. How about a nice 14-2 and two stretch to finish the year? Sounds great. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Ryan Dempster of the Cubs and MLB Network. We're going to take your calls here all two hours long at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. 670, the score is where you are. Ryan Dempster's next. Keep it right here on Inside the Clubhouse. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine, on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, well, you everybody. You put your name first. That you know, because I'm so talking. Annoying. I'm talking. I so, can say it's, so annoying. it's him, Bruce Levine. It really is annoying. Uh, joined by me, Matt Spiegel. <laughs> is, that better, is that better if I did it that no, way? No, I just like to bust, you know what. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, and, and, and I feel just, them. I, I know. I, I, I got both of them. I, uh, I heard from a friend who heard us arguing about the half game thing in the standings. He said, it sounds like my wife and I, when we argue about using Google Maps to a place we already know the way to, which is perfect. It sounds like a football fan. Let's talk to Ryan Dempster, shall we, Bruce? We shall, uh, as we bring in uh, the the guy who uh, 
is a big star in MLB TV Network, works for the Chicago Cubs. The eclectic and very interesting good friend of ours, Ryan Dempster, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Bruce, and I appreciate the first time in my entire life I've ever been referred to as eclectic, and I love it. Yes, yes, you <laughs> take cert- it. You it took certainly- me 42 years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, looking at, you know, uh, Matt and I have been talking about uh, Joe talking about the team being uptight, and he came flat out and said, you know, after a little cajoling of him yesterday, that uh, he looked down the bench in San Diego, no saw no life even though they they won that game four to nothing on Thursday. Also talked about the fact that, uh, you know, the team is, uh, you know, committed. Uh, they're, they're working hard. Uh, they care, but there's no joy involved. From your experience as a baseball player for 17 years, being around the Cubs and other teams, including a championship team in Boston, uh, what is the definition of uptight? How does that happen to an accomplished group this time of year? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think uptight or tight or, um, playing that way or the perception of playing that way sometimes, um, is, can come from, and I don't know if this is the right word. So, uh, you know, f- fear maybe like, um, you know, fear of not getting accomplished what you want to get accomplished. And then, so when you start to feel that pressure, like almost like oh time's time's slipping away here and we're not where we want to be, so then you feel the pressure because you have to you have to win you have to win so many games you have to win that day most importantly and you have to keep winning, and you know for a team you think about it the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 and then played great again in 17, uh, 20, 2018 if it wasn't you know 40 games in 40 days stretched and you know made it a one game playoff and then it didn't end the way but still made the playoffs. Now all of a sudden that that fear of um, you know whoa man this might be the first time and this could be not might be this could be the first time in a while and you start to think of those things instead of just thinking about the task at hand and I've been on teams that have done both where we never think about the ta- uh, the, the, the future we're just thinking about that day and that's the best place you can be and I think that's where these guys are trying to get to and just focus down the stretch hey we got you know what is it 16 games left 17 games left just everything you got this day, this day today, that's all that matters. And I think yesterday was a great example of that. You know, down four to not, down four to nothing early could have went either way and you win that game like that. So, you, you know, you know, Ryan, you said it before the game, saw you in the clubhouse before the game and you said, this is fun. This should be fun. You are in the middle of this chase. It's a dog fight. You got 16. Let's go. You function better when you have fun, right? And, and those guys look tight in that top half of the first. And then when they started pouring the runs on, they all looked like they were having a good time. That's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It is fun in every season no matter what, has a different path. Like, this isn't the 2016, 17, or 18 Cubs. This is 2019. And their path might be, hey, we had this great two-week stretch at the end of the season, and we got into the playoffs, whether they win the division or they play in the wild card game, and they win that, and that's the direction, that path. They're all different. Every, every season for every team, they shape differently. And, and I think it is fun. This is exciting. This is a different task that you're handed from what you've had the last you know, previous couple of years. And I, and I think it's, you got to have fun. You got to relax. The old adage, right? Like you said, teams up 10 runs. What are they doing in the dugout? And everybody looks on TV and they show a pan of the dugout. And they're like, look at them. 
Yeah. They're having so much yeah, fun, aren't they? Yeah, they're squirting uh, flowers and whoopee cushions and pies <laughs> in the face. It's, it's, it's all but of that. If you do that. But, Bruce, if you do that when you're losing, everybody says, they don't take anything seriously. That's true. That's a great and point, like, Ryan. And it's, it's like, why? We play the best when we're loose and we're relaxed. Fact, no matter who you are, even even when you're in the most stressful moment, if you're if you're uptight and you're too tense, you're going to fail. And if you're nice and relaxed, even in those stressful moments, you're usually going to succeed or at least put yourself in the best chance to succeed. That's why guys like Dempster mattered on all those teams. That's yeah, why you need and, guys and, like and that. And you have to have you have to have people like that. And that's why when we hear about Ryan Dempster's on teams or David Ross's on teams or John Jay's on teams, uh, in general, we don't know what that means as far as keeping people seriously together by have, still having fun. Um, that's It's not easy because people, Ryan, can't change their personalities just to fit the situation. No, no, you're right. And I think, you know, that's something that you you, you accumulate as a, as a player over time. Like when I came up, I, I probably goofed around too much and didn't know how to navigate through that. I was always trying to have too much fun. And it's like, okay, Ryan, like we got to also be serious here. And then as I got older and as it went along, I started to understand it wasn't necessarily even about me. It was about individuals on a team and how do you, how do you manage each teammate? Who, who's somebody I can go to John Lester and be like, Hey dude, you got to get your stuff together right? because you're not, this isn't going right right now. Cause he can handle that because that's who he is. But somebody else, you might have to be like, okay, buddy, what do we need to do here? Let me hold your hand while we cross the street. Right. And that's the reality, right? We're dealing with 25 different individuals, different personalities, you know, you're not just dealing with one robot that all acts the same way. And I think, you know, that's the tough part. And that's where the really you talked about David Ross, the Johnny Gomes, the Kevin Millars, the guys that I played with along the lines that were the same way. They knew how to push the right buttons and get the best out. They knew the people better than they knew the ball player. And I think that's a huge, huge part of that role as a teammate. Ozzie Gein and Joey Cora as teammates of Frank Thomas used to ridicule him in batting practice, make fun of him get him extremely upset so he would go into the game and hit, get three, four, or five hits. And that was part of part of their routine. I mean, he, yeah. he would just get so upset. He says, I'll show you guys. And, and, and it worked. You know, a Hall of Fame career, obviously he was going to do pretty well without that move. But uh, what, it's just to your point, Ryan, about knowing individual teammates and what makes them tick, getting the most out of them, it's – you know, that's why when you hear from great managers about um, valuable players on a team, it's not always about a superstar who might be the most valuable guy as far as getting the group going. No, I always said, man, hey, listen, it takes it takes more than 25 guys because you got call-ups and people up and down all year. But if you're, if you're thinking the 25 guy, 25th guy on your roster comes down to what his, you know, WOBA is or – um, you know, what his, uh, you know, his war is or his, his OPS is, yeah. is that that's going to lead you to where you need to be. I truly believe, I think you're sadly mistaken. I think that 25th guy is somebody, you know, that really, you know, means a lot more to the team. You know, a guy like in San Francisco, a guy named Stephen Vogt. Craig Council last year told me Stephen Vogt was one of his best players on his team and he didn't play. He was hurt. So that's because he was a guy that every day came in and made the team better just through his personality and through what he did for the guys mentally because it's, it's, this game is so much mental. 
Ryan, um, Joe Madden talked about infiltrating the group a little bit yesterday uh, and, and seeing some guys that were uptight. And um, so he decided to try and get in there and talk to folks. I, I loved hearing about that because it seems like managers need uh, need some other tools in the toolbox sometimes, right? It's like Joe is wonderfully calm and delegates extremely well, lets the players run the room. But every once in a while, you might not need to get in there and poke the bear. And it sounds like he has taken the opportunity to do so a little bit. Yeah, I think you know, I completely agree with you. I was talking to Will Venable about it yesterday, like, just about managing and, and how hard it is because you're not managing just the game. Managing the game is the easy part, the X's and O's and where do I go here and what do I do with this? It's it's managing the people that sometimes is the tough part because you do deal with, you know, for the most part, you got 25 alpha males in there and you you got a lot of different personalities and to be able to do that and when's the right time and, you know, you don't want to be the dad that yells all the time, right? Because then it doesn't carry any weight. And right. At the same time, you know, you got you to make sure you don't give too long of a leash and, when is it too late? Is it not too late? It's a, it's a really, really tough task. I, I tell you, Joe's done an unbelievable job, um, you know, uh, his his entire career managing and, and being who he is. And he really has a sense of the pulse and trying to figure that. I remember Jim Leland when I was with the Florida Marlins. He won the World Series in 1997, and then our 1998 team stunk so bad we lost 108 games or 106 games, I think it was, something like that. And he didn't get mad at this at all. Not once, and we just lost and lost and lost and lost. This poor man got a parade, and six months later, he's, you know, we're 40 games out of first place. And, and finally, in, in, in August, down in the Astrodome, he let us have it. And it wasn't about us losing. It was about us respecting the game when we did lose and having respect for that. And, and he yelled at us for a while and a long time. And then it carried weight, and not only that, he taught a bunch of guys who weren't big leaguers yet, about what it was going to be to be a big leaguer, what it would take. And we had a guys on that list of that team. If you look at our 1980 team, amount of guys that played 10 years in the big leagues, and I, I truly believe to this day it was because of that meeting he had post game and let us know, and it put us all in our place. And I think it's really important by a manager to be able to manage the people as it is as much the player. September 28th in Boston, what's going on with you? Yeah, we're doing uh, um, hosting another off the mound like we did uh, this past July at the Park West. So um, we're taking it kind of on the road a little bit, and uh, we're going to host it at the Paramount Center there in Boston, um, benefiting the foundation of being later. And more importantly, there's a uh, an at-risk teen center there in Boston that um, has a bunch of great programs, and we use the money to help fund some of those programs. So um, we got a great list of guests again. We got Michael Malley, uh, actor, writer, um, producer from from Boston, huge sports fan out there. And then Johnny Gomes, my teammate with the 13 World Series and, uh, and the great Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez will be there wow. and, uh, and other guests too. So I'm pretty excited. I know one guy sitting next to me would like to be there. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> that That's awesome, Ryan. I, I got to share this with you. So Ron Coomer sang the stretch yesterday in front of me as I was doing pregame and postgame. And he asked me later, how did I sound? Hey, Mr. Singer, how did I sound doing it? And you know what I told him, Ryan? I said, Coom, you were up there and you were doing it. Man, that's one way of saying you hey, suck. You can flat out <laughs> he, he can flat sing, man. That's right. He can flat sing all flat. You did a show tonight. People were there, man. It was it was a thing. Ryan, thanks for like joining old, us, buddy. The old Mitch Hedberg line. You know you can't please all the people all the time, and last night all those people were at my show. Right, right. Or the other one, I wish I could tell you. I, I just can't tell you how good that was. I just can't tell right. you.
<laughs> Brian, have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Uh, keep up the great work on MLB TV with the Cubs and all the good things that you do uh, around uh, Chicago and, and the country. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, Bruce, Matt. Thanks, guys, man, and go Cubs. Let's get them done. All right, see ya. Ryan Dempster here on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, such a unique and fun-loving and uh, in-depth guy. I mean, he just he covers so much area. Whenever I have a chance to uh, throw him on with us, I do because he brings an awful lot to the party. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he loves those those he non, loves, those non-plements. And he loves a good pie in the face once in a while. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking about him. But I'm also thinking about, what, Bert Blylevin with the hot foot back in the day? Oh, God. I saw Bert do, like, worse stuff than that. <laughs> I, I can't even – I won't even say it because – Really? No, because he gets mad when I – Was when I, was excrement involved? No, no, no. Just a little spit. Oh, all right, well, that's, that is a body fluid. So. It is, but you know, back then we didn't worry about body fluids. This is <laughs> twenty-five years ago. <laughs> they were they were harmless at that time. I think you should have been worried body about fluids body fluids. Were very harmless at that time. I they, don't believe science they've gotten, backs they've that gotten up. more serious uh, since the early nineteen eighties. Take my word. I for think it. just information has gotten higher. That's all I it think is. Since the early eighties, I think take my word for it. Body fluids have changed their. Uh, <laughs> Their importance. This is, this, is, uh, this is what you get on Inside the Clubhouse. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz and the Cats this fall at Ryan Field when the Big Ten West Division champions host Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota in Big Ten play. Season and single-game tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. Got a couple of uh, callers on the line, and uh, we should talk about a big night um, for some of the White Sox offensive cornerstones a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what that means, and we're going to look at a free agent list for your Chicago White Sox as well. Three one two six four four six seven six seven text six seven eleven. It is the score. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse on six seventy the score. Uh last night, Yoan Moncada Three for five with four RBIs. Aloy Jimenez with another home run. He leads American League rookies with 27. Jose I'm listening Abreu. to Ray Charles oh, right now. Sorry. You're interrupting. I understand. What did I say? Uh, what I say? <laughs> Very good. Jose Abreu may lead the league in RBIs. Tim Anderson might win the batting title. Does anyone care? Oh, yeah, I think White Sox fans I mean, care. Well, and, tell me what metrics people tell you about batting average. Uh, yeah, but Bruce, you can't be the guy saying that batting average is good for a while and now be the guy telling me that batting average is bad. It's it's well, Batting it's average good. is just another component of on-base percentage. Agreed. So however right? you get there, you get there. Right. You know, and so so in that sense. So what do you think Tim Anderson's on-base percentage is? Um, no peaking. 370. Come on down. Down? Come on down. See, what, he's a 334 batting average? So what is it, 360? Little less, I think. No, really? Yeah, yeah. Eh. He walks like ten times a year. Yeah. You know. I okay. Mean, well, he could add to those theoretically. But I, well, in this case, you know, the Bat- metrics metrics people looking at Tim Anderson, he would be a spectacular player, just like Javier Baez would be the best player in baseball, along with Mike Trout, if they ever did walk. They are spectacular players, anyways, but. Because they don't have the walk tool, their on-base percentage and slugging are mm-hmm. skewed. You know, yes, uh, but still having good bat control and making a lot of contact and getting a lot of right. hits is a good thing. Who won the batting titles last year? 
Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> I know either do I. You know that my, my point. Actually, I think I think Mookie Betts and JD Martinez finished one two. Yeah, the American okay. League. But but I'm, I'm what I'm saying is what used to be after the home run. Who who had the most home runs used to be like this guy's the best hitter in baseball. You know, this is Tony Gwynn. This yeah. is Rod Carew. Well, this yeah, no. is... well, Tim Anderson is not Wade Boggs or, or Tony Gwynn. Well, or he's, he's, having a, he's having that kind of season. Well, but the bigger point to me is that you've got four guys that matter who I think are going to be here, if we assume Abreu's coming back, who are having very, very good offensive years. You're going to add Luis Robert there right into the middle of they, that they thing in center field. Yep. That so you're going to have five guys like that that you feel really good about, and maybe a couple others that can grow that's, too. That's the idea. It's their version of Rizzo, Bryant, Baez. Um, you know what Hayward was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know all their offense put together. Contreras now, so that's their version of we're going to dominate you and score five point five runs per game, and uh, we're going to take a lot of pressure off our pitchers because we are going to be one of the more dominant offenses in baseball. Mike is in Frankfurt and wants to wonder if there's reason for White Sox optimism after seven years of losing. What do you say, Mike? How are you? Good morning. You know, the White Sox narrative is just what you posted. And we all got surveys and we're everybody. The Sox are pushing this. We've got the core guys, but the, at the same time, the Sox are being run by the same people who have delivered seven straight losing seasons. They won't even hit last year's record. They're putting out guys like Daniel Palka in right field and Dylan Covey in the rotation. The off season was a disaster. Why specifically, Bruce? And I don't want to put you in a tough spot. You can. I, I will. I'll dodge it if I have to. <laughs> yeah, please do. I know because it's tough. But but this organization, what is there for a Sox fan to have confidence? that they will be able to take this core and build around it and succeed because this offseason is key. They've got to do it. And i got to tell you, 2019 was a waste of fans' time. So why would we have confidence that they'll be able to be successful now when they have never been successful for seven years? I will say that they made two wonderful trades that should give you some confidence. The Chris Sale trade initially uh, a year ago, people were still screaming that the, the Chicago White Sox got ripped off in the Chris Sale trade. How does it look in your lens a year later? How does it look to White Sox fans, you know, that they got Mancato, who's looking like one of the true young stars moving forward after this breakout year. Kopech coming back from a surgery um, next year and hope, bringing a lot of hope. The The trade with Washington for arguably the top four or five pitcher in the American league to go along with uh, the hope for Lopez and maybe Dunning down the road. So there should be some confidence in this group that they're starting to get it right. I absolutely agree with the caller that it's time to not see the people that don't matter anymore though. Dylan yeah, Kobe, but that's a part of a rebuild. I, I know, but, you know? but you've, re- mean, you've we... reached, you've reached the point now where it's, it's time to move past what, that. What and they've done with, that. What did we see with the Cubs up until 2015? Mm, yeah. And those first, those first three years we were saw these awfully rough. Real non-entities. Without you know, where a doubt. Epstein and Hoyer never hid, but they were happy in the shadows until all of this rubble, you know, cleared up. You, you have to have guys like that basically because that's, that's the way you get to this point, you know, where um, 
Hopefully Kopech comes back. Hopefully you know, Rodan comes back. Uh, these are important aspects of, you know, filling in the roster. And then I have your list uh, and that we'll get to in the next hour, 20 free agents and how they apply to the Chicago White Sox. They have a lot of money. Will they spend that money in an intelligent way to add to this team? That's certainly going to be one of the better ways to do it because they no longer have mm-hmm. the veteran players to trade. Yeah. Um, Caller was wrong, by the way. This team, I believe, has already beaten last year's record, if I'm, if oh, yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So They're going to finish 10 games ahead of that. Yeah, so he's, he's dead wrong about that. And I don't think Daniel Palka will be here next year. I don't think Dylan Covey will yeah. be here next I mean, year. You know, I mean, And it is time to not have guys like that on the roster. People, uh, and, people and it's time, forget next about the, the time Cubs to do it. Houston rosters and how ugly they were at times. They, you know? Yeah, they, they, they mean, were bad. But you're four. You're four, no way. You're four. You add free agents of consequence and you fill it out with, with uh, you know, younger, younger folks who you think have an actual shot to do something. These space fillers need to not be here moving forward. Yeah, well, you know, uh, whether they have enough depth or not, uh, we will see. Um, they have very talented young players, whether they're deep enough or they're going to have to go deep in the free agency in 2020 and 21, which I assume they mm-hmm. will have to do. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. Let's talk to Kathy in Highland Park on 670 The Score. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. I love your show. Thank you for producing it. I wondered, Bruce, if you could describe for us uh, what Joe Madden was like, say, four years ago on September 14th in his coaching style compared to what he's like today in in light of the comments that um, Dempster made on you know, the fun factor and that there's this, you know, kind of cloud over the team um, and we don't see them dressing up in onesies and going on trips. Yep, the yep. stage, you know, Great point. Kind of it's thing. really a good point, Kathy. And Matt and I will discuss it. Matt, uh, the the frivolous, you know, sideshow stuff has kind of disappeared over the last couple of years. He, he did a little of it this year, right? They still had a couple road trips. Yeah, I mean, but that's more player driven, like Pedro Strope. Uh, right, he trip, let them, let where everybody dresses it. up as Pedro on the flight, yeah. but it's not as apparent as we saw in the first three years, and and I think that's part of the evolution of a manager with a group. That hey, I don't have to sell Anthony Rizzo or John Lester or um, Wilson Contreras or Javier Baez on having fun. We've already sold. That's part of the the culture here already. Your leaders. You know, you know how to inject the good times without me bringing in barnyard animals. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I like a good barnyard animal every once in a That's while. That's what though. I heard about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's here's the thing, Bruce. I think most managers, most managers, have their effectiveness wane as the years go on. Yeah. If they don't have a big toolbox, uh, I agree. Right, or, and, or unless you change up uh, the group. Yeah, change up the group. But it, it, yes, and also, and and Joe. His hallmark is being so consistent and being so calm. So eventually that was going to, and you mix in the goofiness, that was going to get Right, And and as we mentioned earlier, there's different levels of Joe that we're we're still seeing. You know, his application now of the toolbox that you talk about as to how to get and infiltrate the group from its malaise back to uh, having a good time and enjoying the fact that it's all there in front of them. They're still in the playoff hunt. Yeah. It's not doom and gloom. Don't live in the past of uh-huh. doom and gloom. 
look forward to a positive future. I'll tell you one thing, though. Uh, you could argue, and a lot of people will, that this sort of infiltration, this sort of uh, going deeper into the toolbox should have happened a couple years ago. Uh, and or last year. I, I mean, and it, hap- uh, it happens now. How do, how do you argue with all those NLCS, uh, you know, Because visits? they didn't go further. And last, oh, well, year, that, last year. That's a, that's a product of another team being on the not, field. Not only that, but it, last year, the September slide. I mean, I think you talked to some people in the organization. They would agree that they, they wish some of this had happened a little bit earlier. And now it's happening because of the mandate that the team play yeah. with more intensity. I, I, I think and my, November starts in April. My perspective is a little different. And that is there's good teams elsewhere. And the Dodgers have been a superior team to the Cubs over the last few years. Yeah, well, they didn't even get there last year. They 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 faded and I, got I to the wild I understand that. Cards. I'm just saying there are other teams that have great focus and great players that they actually play against. Right, but if we're talking about this team and whether they've underachieved, I think I think the, the, that another another gear might have been helpful a couple years ago. This is Carl on the north side on 670 the score. Hello Carl, you're on inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Bruce, I want to ask you a question. Um, I, I, I asked caller about the White Sox. I think they made a tremendous amount of improvement this year because the key players that we wanted to see have good years on the right. most part did that. Okay, so going into next year, they're going to be established at those positions. But I really believe next year the White Sox need a, a, an established right fielder, a starting pitcher, and our DH this year in that position has been horrendous. And, and uh, I think if we can uh, fill those three needs along with a, a good bullpen that we already have, I think the White Sox can take a 20 to 25 game swing next year in, in a positive note. What do you think? Well, Matt uh, barked at you, so I, I don't think. <laughs> well, 20 to 25 I, games, a big, that's a big swing. Well, I, I mean, you know, it. Uh, I think that was pretty much the swing for the Cubs, wasn't it? Between from, year uh, three and, four? and fifteen. What was it between fourteen and fifteen? Checking. It was uh, eighty-nine to. Uh, it was seventy-three games to. I think ninety-seven. So that'd be a twenty-four. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Yeah, might have been ninety-eight, but you know, whatever it was, um, that was the swing. So that's what this guy's looking for. And and look, you know, Matt. Uh, I think they already have their DH. He's playing left field. So so, so you can swap somebody else I, I in think, there? I think so. But, uh, you know, again, they will argue that Eloy Jimenez at 22 should not be a DH. I argue that to get optimum amount out of him and his uh, his um, the problem with him getting injured often uh-huh. to protect him much like Kansas city. It took two years for Kansas city to realize, you know what? George Orta, George Orta, George Soler is a DH. Oh, he I is a DH. Jo- I love the George Orta reference. Yes. George or Jorge Soler is a DH and it took him two years to figure it out. Now they keep him on the field. The White Sox will find the same thing out with him and us. This segment is brought to you by Fast Park and Relax, indoor airport parking service at serving Midway Airport. Are you racing the airport? If you're traveling from Chicago's Midway Airport, park with them at thefastpark.com and they'll get you to the airport in one of their new vans. No hassle, no racing, no stress. Make your reservation at thefastpark.com. No walking, no waiting, never alone. And this feistiness will continue as we go into the next hour. Danny Hulson will join us from the Chicago Cubs. Your call is always encouraged at 
644-6767. Text the guy next to me, the surly one, at 670-11. It's good-natured feistiness, though, right here on 670 The Score. Doubt it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.